do you think they could fire me for no call, no show if I got kidnapped? I don't know. Like, what is the policy on that? Like, if you fire an employee and then they come back and say, sorry, I was kidnapped for nine weeks by Jigsaw, I feel like they wouldn't be like, oh, sorry, there's nothing we can do. I don't know, because it's like, you know, it's always some bullshit where it's like, oh, you're sick, bring in a doctor's note. Like, people can just (laughs) afford to go to the doctor whenever. And then also it's like, oh, your family member died? Bring us in the obituary or some shit. I have seen that also. Mm -hmm. It's fucking crazy. So, like, if we get out of here... My ass is probably out of a job, and that kind of sucks. I got rent to pay. I got a cat to feed. I think that it would be really nice if when we got out of here, like, at the top of the stairs or whatever, there was just an envelope with two notes of absence. I don't know. Let's hope that Jigsaw's cool enough to do that. Jigsaw seems pretty cool. I'm just thinking, you think he did that for everybody else in the traps? It depends on which Jigsaw. Amanda, obviously, no. Mm -hmm. John, yes. I think John would for sure. John knows that the system is bullshit. I say the system Mm. as like an all-encompassing term, like every system is bullshit. Honestly, the longer I watch this series and the more I watch Mark especially, the more I'm like, man, John was a good guy. (laughs) 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 Yeah, he killed some people, a lot of people, but like... (laughs) At least he wasn't going to be an asshole about it. (laughs) I think there's a shortage of oxygen in this basement. And welcome to We See Saw, a Saw rewatch podcast where we see Saw. I'm Claudia. And I'm Nicole. And today we are talking about Saw 6, 2009, directed by Kevin Grutert and written once again by Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan. Nicole, what do you think of Saw 6? I liked this one. Yeah, this one's pretty good. Yeah, like I think this is definitely one of my more favorite ones, I guess. When I watched the Saw franchise the first time around, this was like my third favorite behind Saw and Saw 4. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it as much this time. Okay. Nicole, I gotta say, I fucking hate Mark. Oh, Mark sucks. I hate watching <laughs> Mark. He's so, he's just uh, annoying. <laughs> I'm like, this is our man. Like, we really gotta watch this guy. Yeah. Yeah, Mark sucks. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's one of the reasons why I didn't like it. But I appreciate that instead of the usual formula where for the last couple of movies where the traps (laughs) fall to the B-plot and the A-plot is the soap opera, I Mm -hmm. honestly felt the soap opera was the B-plot in this one. Yeah. Because there was like such a dramatic focus on the traps and like Mm -hmm. what thematically connects all the traps. Dude, Saw 6 has teeth, man. Oh, for sure. Also, before I forget to mention, I had never seen this before. This was my first time watching this movie. 
So we've we've gotten there now to movies I haven't seen. Ooh. I know. So it was very exciting. And let me tell you, I was not expecting like commentary on our shitty healthcare system. Yeah. I forget <laughs> if this was right before or right after the Affordable Health Care Act was passed. Uh this was before because that was on March 23rd, 2010. And it was first introduced in the House in September of 2009. So literally a month before this came out. Ah, topical. Mm, Really topical. Yeah. They really went off about this, and they should, because their story is about somebody who dies of cancer. Yep. Well, he dies of being sawed (laughs) in the throat, but mostly of cancer. (laughs) Honestly, I applaud the fact that it has a commentary. Mm-hmm. I think it's brave to make like the sixth entry in a horror <laughs> franchise, like deeply political. I mean, the whole thing has been deeply political because it's about corruption in the police system. It's about mm-hmm. our failure to help addicts. It's about, you know, the, the ways in which society fails people. But this one is just so targeted, and I love that. Throughout this series, we've seen people who are addicted to drugs as kind of, like, villainized. Mm-hmm. Like, they're the bad guys. Like, oh, they have this fucking problem. Like, they're bad yeah. people for it. And we've had a couple of cops punished, but they specifically didn't do anything, like, super terrible. So I'm like, yeah. when we go back and forth on whether or not, like, it was deserved, I feel like, for the most part, it's been kind of a no, except for Eric in the second movie. Because he was an asshole. (laughs) But this is really the first time where I'm like, yo, fuck this guy. Like, for real. For real, for real, fuck this guy. 100% like. (laughs) Like, this guy is the bad guy and deserved to be there. Yep. (laughs) I mean, who are the other people in Saw Traps that we've been like, yeah, you you 100% deserve to be here? I think the only other one I can think of is uh, Britt from Saw 5, who orchestrated that arson that killed eight people. Yeah, and unless we're counting the rapist guy from Saw 4. Oh, yeah, fuck him too. Oh, and the abusive husband. Yeah, there were a couple people who deserved it, but like this guy really fucking deserved it. I mean... He's the first one who's had to go through a gauntlet that has deserved it. Mm-hmm. Because who, who were the other gauntlet ones? I mean, it's like the the five people from Saw 5, and we, we talked mm-hmm. about Brett already, but like Riggs and Jeff. Yeah. Neither of them were exactly the people who it was targeted at. It was more like, <laughs> it was like a dark ride at Disneyland where you kind of like ride through and watch some animatronic dioramas here that are like, <laughs> Here's what could happen if you don't forgive the man who killed your son. (laughs) But yeah, I really like this one because I wasn't sure if I had seen it before. And then I saw the first trap and I was like, oh, I haven't seen this one before. So I went into it very excited. Yeah, it's a shame that this movie didn't do well financially. It didn't. It should have. It was really good. This was actually the movie that killed the series for like a decade. Oh, Yeah, because this one underperformed and the studio made it very clear that Saw 7 was going to be the last one that they financed. My conspiracy theory, not really, is that people didn't like Saw 5, Mm -hmm. so they didn't see Saw 6, even though Saw 6 rules. Because it actually got a 38 on Rotten Tomatoes, which is like more than what Saw 4 and 5 got combined. Damn. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucked up. Undeserved for those, well, undeserved for 4 to be that low. But, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
man, sophomore was robbed. And so was this one. Yeah. I really liked this one. This is going to rate high when we go through all the movies. Yeah. I'm excited to, to talk about it. Nicole, shall we? Let's get into it, baby. Is your ass starting to hurt in this bear trap or is it just me? I haven't felt my ass in several days, honestly. Mm. Just lost all feeling. I also have very little cushion there. I'd rather have no feeling than the uncomfortable feeling I was having before. Yeah, that's fair. Uh. Oh, man. If only I was sitting in my Tempur-Pedic office chair right now. Not sponsored, I think. Not sponsored. Well, I mean. I know what our captor is doing, but. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so. Simone and Eddie wake up in a room. So these two folks are loan sharks and they're wearing these like helmets with screws that are digging like straight into their temples, which, ow, as a migraine girly, that just <laughs> was just very uncomfortable looking. Do you think that was the inspiration? Oh my God, maybe. <laughs> Can I tell you, I remembered this as being drills and I was sitting here for five movies being like, the Costco drills are going to come back eventually. And then it turns out that they're like big ass screws. I'm like, they're like bolts. where are the drills? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there were these helmets with like these screws slash bolts, like right into their fucking temples. So Simone's the first one to wake up and she like leans forward and pulls the cord, which like is the first step to activating this trap game. Eddie starts to wake up and Simone's like, yo, don't lean forward. And of course, this fucking idiot's like flailing around like, oh, God, what's happening? There's always one. There's always one fucking flailing around, freaking out. And of course, he leans forward and then the tape comes on and Jigsaw's like, hey, you have one minute to cut some flesh and then throw it on a scale and whoever pays the most in flesh will not die. The other person, however, will get their brain screwed out. Honestly, I think I would rather get my brain screwed out. Honestly, same. Because like... Eddie immediately starts going for the fucking gut. Yeah, he's nuts. I guess he's a big guy, but like... Like, still out. He goes for, like, the side, too. Yeah. You think that you would go for the front, the more, like, fatty bits. Yeah. No, he goes for the fucking side. So I called this trap the deli counter Mm. because you had to weigh the meat. I think the official name is Pound of Flesh, but I was calling it the Butt Meat Portcullis. Because of the Mabim Bam bit where they're talking about about Saw and they're like, oh, you want me to cut off my butt and put it in the basket to raise the portcullis? And their jigsaw is like, the butt meat portcullis is not the issue here. (laughs) I'm like, that's basically the trap. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. One of my biggest problems, and I made this note, why does this bitch use the smallest knife? <laughs> yeah, she starts so she starts <laughs> trying to cut off her hand and she uses like it's not even like Like a dagger. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I feel like I could go into an anime convention and buy that for like pretty cheap and just sharpen it and do that. Yeah. That's how lame this looks. She sees Eddie like dump a huge piece of his, his gut onto the scale and she's like oh fuck and she goes for the rusty axe and chops her own arm a, off a cleaver uh the cleaver yeah i was looking for a saw in the scene 
Yeah. <laughs> you think there would be a saw. Yeah. But no, no you got too easy. She, mm-hmm. she has to take several swipes. Yeah. But also, again, why does this bitch start with the smallest knife? Luckily, she doesn't actually cut much with the smallest knife, I think. But it's like it took so long. There's no serrated edge. And she's like trying to saw parts of her arm off. Yeah. It's like, girl, like you're making this like way more difficult and painful for yourself. You're just drawing it out. Okay, so speaking of this trap, Oak has been really into the musical Ride the Cyclone over the past couple of months, which is okay. a musical about five teens who die in a roller coaster accident, et cetera, et cetera. Damn R.I.P. Yeah, damn R.I.P. Uh, <laughs> rest in peace. <laughs> Misha, Ocean, Ricky, Constance. Ooh. Noel and uh, Jane Doe. Damn. Spoilers. (laughs) So at one point, one of the characters asks another, like, what his favorite movie is. And he's like, easy. Saw 5. And she's trying to say that, like, every story has a moral to it. And she's like, okay, every story has a moral except for Saw 5. And he says, and I quote, Soul 5 has very power, he's from the Ukraine, very powerful lesson about fundamental corruption of financially driven medical insurance providers. Saw 5 says it is morally sick to make dollar off of dying man. And you get to see dude forced to cut off his own arm with rusty axe. It has everything. (laughs) Real. (laughs) And the autism in me wants to like go to the the writers of Ride the Cyclone and be like... You're talking about Saw 6. I deeply want you to know that when you say Saw 5 and you in detail talk about the medical driven plot, you're talking about Saw 6. Also, it's a woman who cuts off her own arm. Hashtag feminism. With a cleaver, not a rusty ass. With a cleaver. Yeah. Hashtag feminism. Uh, Women can cut off their own body parts too. Exactly. That's what the suffragettes fought for. (laughs) (laughs) Susan B. Anthony's racist ass (laughs) fought for us to be able to cut off our own arms. No, no, no. She she fought for you to cut off your own arm. Yeah, that's true. Just just me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so right as the timer's almost up, Simone fucking chops off her whole ass arm, throws it on the scale, and then R.I.P. Eddie. Eddie McFucking dies. So... Rip. Guy say, Simone has a much stronger will to live than I do. Oh, 100%. I'd be like, I'm it. I'm done. <laughs> or I would like figure out like what's a faster way to die that probably wouldn't mm. hurt as much as getting my brain screwed out. Just slit your throat. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm going to fucking die anyway. Though it seems like a pretty quick death once you get screwed. It just goes like crack and then he goes limp. Also... My first thought wouldn't be to cut my limbs off. It would be to like take off all of my clothes and my shoes and see how much that weighs mm. down the scale. Cheat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love to cheat and lie and steal. As do I. It's not like he's there. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and if he's watching, well, I mean, because like, he usually watches because he's a little, little pervert. <laughs> a little freaky sicko. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I wouldn't go straight for sawing my limbs off. That's just that's just me, though. Maybe I'm just built different. Yeah, I don't even know what I would do. Okay, so my next note here is fuck William and fuck health insurance companies. Because right after this scene... Oh, no. Do we cut to that first or do we cut to... Technically, we have a weird interstitial moment where Amanda and Cecil are driving in a car. And then we just we go into this scene with like no pomp and circumstance here. Yeah. 
So we cut to uh, William McFuckerson, who is like some kind of VP of like a healthcare company. If someone's denied coverage, it's like sent to him for a final approval or denial, whatever. And so he's speaking to the lawyer of the company he works for. And she's like, all right, we got to work on your deposition. And he's like, I'm not going to say anything wrong. Like, I'm just going to state facts. And then he immediately says something wrong. <laughs> and then he starts saying some bullshit. How basically this guy's coverage was denied because he lied on his what like his record or his application or something his application yeah he quote unquote lied that's the incorrect thing yeah. that he says because that's a direct accusation yes because the thing that he lied about is he neglected to mention that 30 years ago he had gum surgery he had a cyst removed yeah he had a cyst removed and he is being rejected for a for heart disease treatment now the logic of the insurance company is that taking out the cyst can lead to scabs, that can lead to gum disease, which can lead to heart disease, which is true, but bullshit. Yeah. And I have a feeling that the writers pulled this like straight from the headlines. They had to have. Like this was so specific. Yeah. And how fucked up is that? So yeah, so fuck William and fuck health insurance companies. Yep. Also, during his denial of that guy's coverage, he specifically says the words, those are the rules which are words that are very heavily associated with John, and I just wanted to point that out. Ah, didn't catch that. Yeah. We also meet the dog pit. So it's like his top six people whose sole job is to pour over every single application to find mistakes so they could deny people coverage, which is so fucked up. And they were obviously making some kind of game out of it and competition and you can tell they were all very like haha look look boss got another one fucking idiot ha 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 they're such fucking assholes they're such fucking assholes and it's all very nitpicky stuff just like this case we saw where it's like oh mm -hmm. this one tiny thing that happened but you know if we were to deny them coverage that would save us like over two hundred thousand dollars over their lifetime or some bullshit like putting numbers on people's lives because that's what these fucking companies do yep so fuck them i would like to extend a personal thank you to everyone who helped pass the affordable care act that got rid of the uh, pre-existing condition bullshit yeah that's fucking wild i can't believe that we had that for decades I can't believe that it's fucking 2023 and our healthcare system is still garbage. <laughs> yeah, it's just slightly less garbage. Yeah, it's like garbage, but I put a little spritz on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we cut to um the crime scene of that first trap we saw in this movie. And we see fucking Detective Mark Hoffman, boring ass, <sighs> who was called to the location by Special Agent Erickson, who we saw in the last movie as the guy who was, was like, oh yeah, Peter Strom is Jigsaw. And he's still on it. He's still on it. They also found fingerprints. They found Strom's fingerprints on the scale where they weighed their pounds of flesh and they found fingerprints on Eddie's corpse. And also, guess who's fucking alive? Agent Perez. I was stunned because they really heavily, I guess they didn't theoretically confirm that she died, but they all but confirmed that she died. The Saul wiki says that Erickson was hiding that she was alive until they could figure out the other Jigsaw accomplice, mm -hmm. which makes sense. But also, I don't remember them saying that, really. And he did kind of a piss poor job at it. Yeah, because it, they even had Strom believe that she was dead. 
Mm-hmm. That's why people were like, oh my God, sorry. I feel like she was intended to be dead, you know, outside of the universe of the movies. Mm-hmm. I feel like she was intended to be dead, but then they had a couple of ideas for her character. So they were like, oh, she was just pretending to be dead. See? Or maybe they couldn't get the actress back for five. So they were like, eh, she's dead. But then she was able to come back for six. Wait, no, th- didn't this happen in five where she got like her face? No, that was in four. That was in four? Yeah, and then five, we get the resolution of that. Oh. Because the Saw timeline slows down for a while between yeah, three yeah. and five. Mm-hmm. And six, really. My thought was every other death we have seen, like we've seen that they're like dead, dead. And for her, mm-hmm. it was left pretty ambiguous. So I think that they were planning on bringing her back. Either way, it is a weird reveal. <laughs> oh, yeah. But let's see. What was my note here? I think it was just... Oh, all caps, Perez is alive? I also wrote all caps, Perez lives. Oh. (laughs) So Mark starts working with the FBI. They're like, we're going to exchange all the information. No more secrets between us. We're going to catch Peter Strom. And Mark's like, yeah, we're going to catch him. Yeah, totes for sure. Also, I got to say, there was a lot more of Peter left than I thought there would be after he got squished. Oh, my God. That was gross. It was quite disgusting. (laughs) First, it was like his entire hand, like gripping the grate that he had to climb up to get to. Yeah, rigor mortis set in instantly, I suppose. I guess so. And then there's also a good chunk of his like torso. But yeah, definitely a lot more than I thought there would be. I figured there would be a fair amount, but it would be squished. It would be like a pancake. But I'm talking about like solid chunks of body. Like whole body parts, basically. Just kind of like broken. Yeah. Gross. I'm done thinking (laughs) about that, about the fucking squishing scene. Gruesome death. So we cut to Jill Tuck, John Kramer's ex-wife at her clinic where she's like watching something on the TV. She's watching like a little family video of her getting her ultrasound and John's filming. And he's like, oh, let me get the three of us in here. My note for this was Gideon is a terrible name. No offense to anyone (laughs) named Gideon. (laughs) Got a serial killer ass name already. (laughs) If Listen, if you're named Gideon, you can't not be an evil person just look at gideon from gravity falls exactly little gideon yeah and so hoffman then enters the room and she hands him five envelopes from that black box that she received after john died his executor in the last movie gave her this box and she had a key that john had given her a million years ago because this man fucking is playing 18d chess at all times yeah so she's able to use that key that he gave her however long ago to open up that box so they're She hands him five envelopes. But my note here was, oh my God, are Jill and Hoffman in this together? What? Yeah, despite everything in Saw 4 and 5 indicating that Jill was not working with John, apparently after his death now, she's like, all right, like just a couple of serial killings to put John to rest. Yeah, bless his soul. God rest him. So, yeah, these envelopes have information about the victims of the next game, which is going to start later that evening. So Hoffman's like, all right, I'm going to take lead on this one. I'm working alone from now on. And Jill's like, okay. She's like, I only have one thing left to do. And it was just because it was John's like final wish that I do one thing for him. And Mark's like, fine, but this is on me. It's a really good Mark Hoffman impression. Thank you. It's it's the best I could do at at Growly Man. (laughs) (laughs) 
we also meet she had a cameo in five i think but we meet pamela jenkins who wrote what was apparently a very sensationalist story about jigsaw and the killings well it's kind of like how netflix is doing all those like biopics on serial killers and it's Mm, like oh you know and now everyone's like horny for Dahmer or whatever (laughs) do you think that there were people in this universe who were horny for john kramer almost certainly yeah i went through the tumblr tag for saw six and people are horny for mark if people can be horny for mark they can be horny for john i guess i mean like as a character he sucks but i mean like objectively like looking at him at his face he's not my type but i guess he can be i guess he's handsome i don't even see that (laughs) i don't know like uh, let me look at him not as mark you know, when he was younger, he kind of had this, like, Billy Zane thing going for him. Well. I don't know. <laughs> he's, he's not my type. Is Mark hot? Email us at playingontheseesaw at gmail.com. Please, we need to know. So, Pam, Pam Jenkins. She wants to talk to Jill Tuck for her next book. Mark's like, yeah, okay, like, whatever. I'll see what I can do. And she's like, okay, because uh, I know that Jill was left a box. Like John, so I know that there's something going on here and I need to figure out what that is. And he's like, all right, you nosy bitch. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) So then Mark is called into an autopsy of Eddie from the opening kill. And the FBI and the coroner tell him that the knife that was used to carve out the puzzle piece, as is tradition, on Eddie was a serrated blade when almost every other puzzle piece was carved with a surgical straight blade and mark is like so whatever maybe you got a new knife real quick this is like a minor thing and it probably isn't like everything i'm making it out to be Mm -hmm. but i think it's like very representative of their characters where john was more like tactical and clean and he had you know his very precise way of doing things and then mark is more like savage and aggressive and violent like a serrated knife you know i mean later on they have flashback which is a weird sentence to say Um, (laughs) (laughs) john even says like do you like how brutality feels Mm -hmm. it's kind of a theme of mark's character yes so yeah the coroner says that he's examined every jigsaw victim and the only other puzzle piece that was cut with a serrated blade was seth baxter the man who killed Mark's sister, a.k.a. not an actual jigsaw killing. <laughs> it was Mark imitating him before he became a jigsaw. Also, I gotta say, this whole movie, Mark is so bad at pretending to not be jigsaw. Oh my god, he's the worst. He sucks. Because he also goes into the hospital room of Simone, the woman who cut off her arm, and he just says a bunch of really like pointed and creepy things to her. Where he's like, did you guys deserve to be there? Did you learn your lesson? And Simone fucking screams at him. Yeah. She's like, did I learn my lesson? Look at me. She's like, what am I supposed to learn from this? Honestly, the most sensible woman. Mm -hmm. There's also one scene that I forgot to mention before. In a flashback, we see Jill, Amanda, and John. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so we see that Jill met Amanda, and John's telling Jill, like, oh, you know, like, your fucking methods don't work. Like, people are just getting hooked on other things while they're here. 
And he's like, look, my methods do work. Meet Amanda. And she's like, yes, Jill, his methods do work. And I was like, Jill, don't fall for this shit. She really does say it in that tone, too. Yeah. (laughs) Also, 24 minutes in, we see our first saw. Oh, really? Where? On the TV. Oh. Yeah. A hidden saw. Hidden saw. But I caught it. (laughs) (laughs) You're always looking out. (laughs) Well, this was after I remembered that I had to be looking for it because I didn't see one in the first thing and I kind of forgot. And I said, oh, shit, did I miss anything? And I don't think I did. So, but I was on the lookout and I saw it on the TV. It was like in the background, but I saw it. Hell yes. Do we cut to now William getting kidnapped? Yeah, we might as well get into it. The flashbacks in this movie... I don't know what fucking order they happen in. Yeah. They, they're almost randomly placed, in my opinion. So we're probably going to talk about them out of order if we talk about many more at all. Yeah. But we do see William McFuckerson, the healthcare VP guy, get kidnapped. He's in his office late at night and he sees some person like skulking about with a gun pointed like he sees their silhouette. So of course this fucking guy keeps a gun in his desk because why not? I mean, he's probably making a lot of enemies. Honestly, yeah. But like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. This guy is like skulking about outside and he's like, What's, what are you doing? Who are you? Whatever. And shoots the fucking guy with this poor security guard. Yeah. Was, you know, skulking about because, oh my God, there was someone else in the building. It's a person in a pig mask. Who could it be? Ah. Probably Mark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost certainly. One of my predictions in the last episode was that we would discover a new accomplice here, mm-hmm. which we haven't seen. Oh, spoiler alert, we don't see. Well, I mean, unless you count Jill-ish a little bit, but that's not what I had in mind. Yeah, no, I had it's... like someone more active in mind. So as far as I know, maybe it wasn't Mark under that pig mask. Who mm-hmm. knows? Not I. So William gets kidnapped by a person in pig mask. An R.I.P. security guard. R.I.P. security guard. I guess he probably died. Do we see that? We don't. He, he he gets hella shot. He does get shot several times. Yeah, and he like points behind William. He's like, oh, like, there's someone there. He still had the strength to do that. I think he could have lived. Okay, we'll leave it ambiguous. Yeah. So cut to William, who is now in a trap. He has um, some kind of oxygen mask on. He has cuffs on all four limbs. And he's like kind of strapped up a little bit at this point. So Vance is looking a little rough. And of course, the tape starts playing. And this is a very interesting tape because John isn't speaking through the puppet doll. He's speaking like with his face. <laughs> yeah, this is the most personal John has gotten. Like, this one is an act of fucking vengeance. Yes, my note here in all caps. Oh, shit. John has been planning this for a while, showing his face on video and everything. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this one was personal. And I was like, you know what? Respect, though. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so basically, William has one hour to make it through four tests. Otherwise, he will never see his family again. Each of those cuffs on his ankles and wrists are set to detonate in one hour. Real time. Real time. Yay, movie takes place in real time. I, I love when that happens. It's so fun. Yeah, it's my favorite trope. So we get to our... First gauntlet 
trap, which I just called hold your breath because that's what he has to do, lights up on Hank, who is the janitor at the same company where William works. Now, I don't think Hank deserved to be here. I feel like there was a lot of collateral damage in this movie once again. Yeah, this one is almost exclusively collateral damage. Yeah. Look, you can get into it a bit more in a little bit, but like (laughs) definitely this guy. Poor Hank. What did he do? He smoked. Yeah. So basically the whole test is using William's logic against him and the logic of health insurance companies where basically this person by your standards is of less value than someone else because this guy is a smoker you know and so he's at risk for lung disease and lung cancer so by your standards he is a lost cause you would not approve any of his claims or applications or anything so here's your test is uh you're gonna hold your breath so every time they either of them takes a breath their clamps around their ribs will tighten and eventually squish their torsos so we get into this breath holding competition and unfortunately hank doesn't make it yeah the lifelong smoker isn't great at holding his breath Uh, what what was the 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 point here I think it was basically just to be like, isn't it fucked up how your algorithm that you personally designed legitimately doesn't value the life of an innocent person? Unlike me, who completely values the life of innocent people. I don't know. Just Hank didn't deserve to be there unless he did something terrible. But from what we have seen, he has not done anything terrible. I think John also, for some reason, sees anyone who works in that building as complicit, even if you are literally just cleaning the bathrooms. Yeah. Like, damn, what if, you know... What if he wasn't even employed directly by the company? Because a lot of people like outsourced custodians, Mm -hmm. they work for like a third party. Fucked up, (laughs) Like Hank wasn't even on their payroll, probably. (laughs) Because if he was on their payroll, they would have to provide benefits. Whereas if they were to outsource, Mm. there's a good chance they're severely underpaid. Yep. So that's probably the case here. So what the fuck, John and also Mark? Anyone who is complicit in this poor man dying, R.I.P. Hank. R.I.P. Hank. All right. So William makes it. And so he's released from the trap and he has to go on to his next test. We also see three other people who are locked in cages somewhere else. And they also see the one hour timer countdown. One of these cells contains a mother and teenage son. They wake up in the cell and... The son is like, why are we here? And the mother is like, it's because of your father. In their cell, there is a switch and a vat of hydrofluoric acid. If you flip the switch up, it points towards live. And if you flip the switch down, it points towards die. And at one point, when the timer ticks down a lot, because they can see the one hour timer that William has, the son is like, I'm just going to push it to live and see what happens. And... He does it, and it does nothing. And he's like, come on. So it's broken. <laughs> Fucked up, honestly. And in the other cell is Pamela Jenkins. Oh, my God. She has a monitor, and she can see the game that's going on, and she can see into the other cell. So keep all this in mind. All right. So fast forward to William's next test. I just have it named one or the other. Couldn't think of anything good here. Fair enough. So there are two of his employees there. So there is 
Alan, his file clerk, on one platform, and Addie, his secretary, on another platform. They are both wearing a noose made of barbed wire, and William has to hold on to these two chains. They, like, pull apart, and William has to choose which one of them lives and dies, as his algorithm does. Which William is like, it's not literally who lives and who dies. It's it's just a formula. Come on, man. And so basically, the decision he has to make here is between Alan, who is, he's like in his 20s or something, young, healthy man, but he has like no family, no girlfriend, like no connections. So if he were to die, no one would miss him. But again, he's a very young, fit, healthy man. Versus Addie, who has a family history of diabetes, and she has a family. So by William's standards, Addie's life is less valuable than Alan's because of her family health history. And because she's older. Yes. And so it's like, who are you going to choose? And so he actually chooses to save Addie. Alan is not pleased about for the one second he lives Oh, no, no, no. And also, Alan's able to, like, break his hands free. Oh, what's he? Yeah, he was able to do that right before William lets go of the chain. We see that he, like, breaks his hands free. Hmm. And then Addie's able to do the same thing. So I'm like, why didn't you guys try that before? I always wonder, like, why nobody is screaming before the character walks into the room. Mm-hmm. It seems like everyone wakes up exactly when they're supposed to. Everyone just has really good timing for the drama. <laughs> I know it's it's a movie thing, but still. Yeah. So R.I.P. Allen. R.I.P. Allen. At least it wasn't like a proper hang. It seems like the barbed wire kind of slit his throat. Yeah. Okay. So this is like the point where I actually start rooting for William. And I'm like, you're a bad guy. I don't want to root for you. But also, like, I mean... It was a tough decision, but he ultimately saved Addie because he, you know, knew that she has a family and everything. And then afterward, he's just like, Addie, find a way to get out of here. Like, I have to keep going. And yeah. so he starts to kind of show some humanity. And I find myself like rooting for him, especially come this next trap, which I really liked. I thought this was a cool one. I like this one. I think that William does it in kind of a stupid way. Oh, 100%. <laughs> so the next trap is the steam maze. So the lawyer from his firm that he was talking to at the beginning of the movie has 90 seconds, which is not enough time, I must say. Oh, no, no, no. 90 seconds to get across this maze before she gets her... Okay, how is it that she will die from this? Because she's apparently going to get pierced through the brain from a device strapped to her chest. To me... I have five seconds. I'm tilting my head back. I'm doing my best. I feel like it'll fuck you up a little bit. A little bit. It'll, it'll pierce your fucking jaw, but I don't think it'll pierce your brain. I guess it depends on how long it is, but... I don't know. I just work here. Anyway, so it's William's job to guide her through this maze and also kind of be moral support. Because he he really, like, cheers for her. He's like, come on, come on, you got this. I know. And that's why I was like, oh, I'm like rooting for him because he's like really making an effort to help her and like push her and everything. He knows these people. I feel like it's something that we have sort of seen. I'm thinking especially in Jeff's whole deal where he had to like help. I mean, granted, these people wronged him to an extent, mm -hmm. but I don't know. This is the first time where we really see somebody trying to help somebody else. Yeah. 
at their own expense, too. Yes. Because William can relieve the steam from the actual maze by blasting it up onto his level right in his face, allegedly. I feel like you could move slightly and then pull it. But who am I? Why are the people so unwilling to take their clothes off? I would have used my shirt to like wrap around the handle and then pull it while also like moving my head out of the way. Yeah. Because this steam was blowing right in his fucking face. Like, sir, you did not need to be right there. He puts his whole face in it. Because <laughs> I'm thinking there's because I think his right arm's a little fucked up or something, but he's using his left arm. And so he's standing with it like. Like his face is right in front of there. And it's like, girl, just move off to the side a little bit. I don't think you need to be doing it like that. But what do I know? Yeah. So what is this lawyer's name, by the way? Debbie. So Debbie actually makes it through the maze. She goes up a ladder and she comes up in this cage and William meets her on at the cage. And she's like, it doesn't open. Where is the key? And then she looks at some pictures in the cage that showed the key like surgically implanted into William. The key to to her harness trap thingy, oh, not yeah, the, the cage door. Her... Yeah. Oh, it wasn't the cage door. Oh, okay. Yeah, the key to her harness. And we saw earlier that there was like a big surgical gash in William's side, which made me think of Charlie the Unicorn. Actually, like ah, they took my <laughs> friggin' kidney. <laughs> Charlie the Unicorn. <laughs> oh man. We're going to the soul trap, Charlie. <laughs> anyway, so Debbie decides that she she isn't going to negotiate at all because she has like 20-ish seconds left. Mm-hmm. So she takes a buzz saw. We see a saw at 5628 and just starts swinging at him. Yeah, this bitch is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they have a full on like... It really, it looks like the battle between Darth Vader and Luke at the end of episode five. <laughs> There's like steam everywhere. It's on like a catwalk. It's kind of badass. Debbie turns out to be William's father. Crazy. Oh. <laughs> Transrites. <laughs> yeah. But William, in a moment of smart thinking, like sees that her time's almost up. And he's like, wait, wait, he's like, I can get it. I can get it to kind of make her hesitate for a second. And that was all he needed because the spear gets shot through her head. R.I.P. Debbie. R.I.P. Debbie. R.I.P. You did so well at Legends of the Hidden Temple here. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I really liked this death maze. I really liked how they had to like work together and he had to get fucked up a little bit to help her. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm like rooting for him at this point. I'm like, oh, you're a bad person, but you're also being considerate of like the people you know and work with and like, and oh, like this sucks. I will say though that, yeah, he knows and likes these people when yeah. his job is to essentially kill strangers. Yeah. I don't feel this is exactly learning his lesson. Nah. And also like, uh, I would say that more than the janitor or the file clerk or the secretary, I would say Debbie is more at fault than any of them because as the lawyer. Yeah, Debbie uh, is actively protecting the company. Yeah. I know it's a paycheck, but at the same time, I feel like you see the shit that they're getting sued for. Yeah. So I don't know. So anyway, RIP Debbie. So we get to our next trap, which I called the death carousel. Yep, I wrote carousel of death. Haha. <laughs> so we have all six members of the dog pit chained to a carousel, one of those little baby ones you see at a playground, like a next to the seesaw. Aww. One of those 
those fun little contraptions. The dealio here is that there's a shotgun. And so the carousel will turn and each person will get shot. William can only save two people. And he would have to do so by sticking his hand into this little contraption and pressing two buttons, which will pierce a hole through his hand. I gotta say, this is a lot better constructed than the shotgun that would have shot Jeff to, like, get the key or whatever. Oh, 100%. You can't, like, cheese this one. Yeah. Because you have to press the, the buttons with essentially your your fo- your forefinger and your pinky. Because they're, like, they're spread out just enough and you, you really have to, like, get in there to get them to. Yeah, so you can't, you can't work around this one. So basically, he either chooses two people to live or everyone dies. Yep. Because the shotgun will fire all six shots regardless. Yep. And so if he were to insert his hand and press those buttons and have his hand pierced, the shotgun moves so it points up to the ceiling and fires the round at the ceiling. This one was rough. Yeah. I remember really liking this one, and I still do really like it. Mm -hmm. But towards the end, it gets really hard to watch. Yeah. Because everyone fucking begs for their life. Which at a couple of points is actually really funny because they start fucking selling each other out because oh, that's yeah. the type of people that they are. Like one woman is like, uh, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. And and another one's like, no, she's fucking not. Yeah. <laughs> the other one I really loved is it might have been that same woman who's been like, you know, my, my parents are sick. I'm the only thing that they have. And, I think it was the same woman. <laughs> and <laughs> another guy is like, Bullshit, your parents fucking hate you. <laughs> they disowned you. Yeah. yeah, I sit next to you. I know this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny at parts. The first person he saves is a woman who has kids. Mm-hmm. And so, again, he's thinking of the kids. And so he spares her. And then at this point, it's kind of like I feel like most people at this point are kind of on a more even playing field. Like they don't have kids or anything but they show him how terrible they really are yeah like one of them tries to bribe him saying like oh my parents are rich they can get you anything you want blah 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 some guy's like talking some shit and one of the girls is like he would stab you in the back first chance he got like he wants to be you he wants your life whatever blah 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 yeah so they're yeah like you said they were really selling each other out it's a lot ultimately he ends up saving another girl who I think he only chose because she was the least asshole-ish out of all of them that yeah. were remaining. And I gotta say, the one guy, because the girl he saves is like the fifth person in line to be shot. So this last guy has to just sit there and spin for a minute, knowing that he is about to get blasted without hope of being saved. And he's like, oh, that's just great. <laughs> like, you fucking asshole. And William starts to turn away. He's like, look at me. <laughs> Look at me when you are killing me. <laughs> <Bitch>. <laughs> I was on Tumblr and somebody described this guy as <laughs> the one guy who dies last on the shotgun carousel <laughs> who puts his whole pussy into the performance. He does a great job. He does. I, I believe him. And also I'm like, oh, you were you were the most valid like i would be swearing up a storm too of being like i'm actually a witch motherfucker i'm cursing your entire bloodline (laughs) i just thought of uh dennis from it's always sunny in philadelphia when he's like look at me when you're talking to me (laughs) (laughs) so 
in the end, he saves Emily and Shelby. Mm-hmm. So, R.I.P. to Aaron, Gina, Dave, and Josh. <laughs> Rip in peace. Rip in peace. I gotta say, another thing that really gets me about this trap is the fact that the shotgun is operated with, like, a bicycle pedal. Yeah. Like, it's a gear on a bicycle pedal that, like, very slowly turns around and will trigger it. And something about, like, the ramshackle operation of that weirds me out. It really feels like somebody built this, you know? Like, built this in their fucking garage to kill someone. Yeah, I really like when we see how, like, it's MacGyvered and stuff. Because really, like, these are just, like, like, someone raided a junkyard and put this shit together. Yep. Not like they have access to a fucking robotics lab at MIT, but they're just fucking whipping this shit out from places. So let's get back to the Saw soap opera. Back at the ranch, the FBI calls Mark in and they're like, so we were looking at the fingerprints and we actually found a lot of Freon in Strom's fingerprints on the body, which normally is not something that you find in fingerprints. And Mark's like, oh, damn crazy (laughs) and Perez is like sitting at a desk and she points to Mark's watch and she's like are you timing something because Mark actually had to step away from the game to come here (laughs) and he's like oh yeah I was uh then you guys called me and it's like a big like it the watch is fucking huge it's it's like 43 minutes (laughs) (laughs) I think it was like 24 minutes yeah (laughs) something wild but it's like Jesus Christ Bro, can you be more obvious? And could Perez be more obvious about how suspicious she was? <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. So Erickson gets a call and he's like, so we're actually having the tape from the last Jigsaw killing descrambled and analyzed to see if we can get like the real voice from it. And the tech just called me and uh, she's got something. You want to come with? (laughs) So it wasn't the last Jigsaw killing. It was the tape from the Seth Baxter case, which is uh, which for those of you who may or may not remember, was the guy who killed Hoffman's sister, who was Hoffman's first fake Jigsaw trap victim. Yeah. So it's the tape from that killing. And Mark is like, uh, yeah, sure. I'll come with you. I've got nothing else to do. What a fucking loser. Nothing better to do. Also, I forget if it's Jenkins or whoever. Somebody gets into a car at one point. I think it might be Jill Tuck. And you actually get to see a much clearer shot of a license plate. And I I fucking looked. (gasps) So they live in a state that is nicknamed the Fairweather State. That's not a nickname for any state in the U.S. Damn it. But the symbol between like the two sets of numbers and letters It really looks like New Jersey. (gasps) It is New Jersey. Yeah, this is like alternate universe New Jersey. (laughs) Oh, Nueva Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just wanted to mention that as we're as we've been continually talking about where does this take place? (laughs) So they get to the tech lab and there's a tech at a big computer. She also has a MIDI keyboard in front of her. I'm like, oh, she's going to make a sweet remix of this tape. (laughs) <laughs> oh hell yeah oh my god i bet you're feeling helpless 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 boop 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 helpless doop doop boop 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 like live or die it's your <laughs> choice and then the beat drops yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
There has to be a remix, right? It's gotta be. There can't <laughs> not be. It is, yeah. These movies have been out for so long. <laughs> anyway, the tech is like, I don't quite have it yet, but I'm getting real close. So I thought you guys might want to like be here for the reveal. Oh, the drama. The drama. While she is like getting closer and closer to very clearly identifying Mark's voice, <laughs> Erickson just kind of like... Just kind of stands there and he lays out that he already knows that Strom was already dead when his fingerprints were used because Mark took the like completely regular severed hand and used that to plant all the fingerprints. And then the tape unscrambles and it's very clearly Mark. And Erickson like turns to him and Mark like pulls out a pocket knife and slashes his throat on the side, though. Yeah, he got pretty lucky with that slash. That's really bad still, but like, mm -hmm. at least it wasn't like, like straight across the front. I'm thinking, uh, oh God, who was the detective in the first movie? Tap. Tap. Yes, I was thinking tap. His throat got McFucking slashed. Mm -hmm. Like that was rough. So this guy had a little easier. Uh, but also, I don't know anatomy, so maybe there's something like real fucked up on the side here that could kill you. Perez gets her gun, and he like grabs the IT lady and like uses her as a shield. So Perez shoots this IT lady, RIP IT lady. She shoots her like four times. Like, too. Four times. <laughs> and then Mark throws down the IT lady and he just stabs Perez a bunch. Oh, he shoots the fuck out of her a real hack job this was messy yeah as perez is like getting shanked in the gut mark's like who else knows about this and she's like everyone and he says <laughs> you're lying so was she we don't know yeah 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 so then mark goes out to his car and opens up his trunk and gets out the yeti cooler that has <laughs> strom's severed hand in it and he tosses it into the room and pours gasoline over everything and everybody. And also, he takes Perez's gun and puts Strom's fingerprints on it, I guess, just in case. Puts those fingerprints all over the place. Yeah. My note here was <laughs> Hoffman keeping Strom's hand in his trunk is sick. Yeah. Also, Erickson is still alive for the moment here. And then Mark sets the entire room on fire. He really douses him with gas, too. Mm -hmm. He's like, yo, fuck this guy in particular. <laughs> <laughs> then Mark goes back to his little hideout and Jill shows up. Jill Tuck, John's ex-wife. And she is like watching the end of the game. William has made it to the final room where his family is. And it turns out that his family is not the mother and son. His family is Pamela Jenkins, the author, who is his sister, we know because on a phone call flashback, she's like, you're really going to blow off your sister for work, which, you know, is how all siblings talk to each other. Can, can, can confirm as people who have siblings. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so then a recording plays. John once again showing up himself to deliver this. And the mother and son are actually the family of the heart disease guy at the beginning in the flashback who died and was, you know, he, he was denied coverage. That's his family who is currently suing William. And when the mother sees William, she's like, you, you son of a bitch. And John comes on the TV and he straight up apologizes to the mother and son. What, what are their names? Tara and Brent Abbott. Tara and Brent. Yeah, so John comes on and he's like, Tara and Brent, I'm very sorry that I had to do this for William's test, but here is your chance at some revenge. You can 
choose to either kill William or let him live? Do you feel he has learned his lesson or do you feel that he should die? You have that switch over there. Just flip it whatever direction you feel. The mother is immediately like, I'm going to kill you so you can't do to other people what you did to my husband. And she like has her hand on the lever, but she can't do it. She's like, I won't be a murderer. And her son is like, fuck that. And he pulls in. And yeah. he's like, you kill my father, you motherfucker. <laughs> Good <laughs> Which for him. Badass. Love this kid. Honestly, yeah. Fucking raw as hell. Yeah. I saw some people on Tumblr who were like, William shouldn't have died. He learned his lesson, unlike most people in Saw. I'm like, fuck that. Yeah, again, like, it's like, I did find myself rooting for him because he was, you know, really showing some humanity. Mm-hmm. But really, fuck this guy. The kid pulls the switch, and you would think that it would just, like, come down in a sprinkler system. Oh, my God. This, like, rack of needles comes down and stabs William in the back and pumps him full of hydrofluoric acid. It's so cool. (laughs) It's so cool. It's so gruesome. Because, like, you know, at first it's like, all right, he's being injected with this acid. And then we see, like, his body melting from the inside. It's fucking wild. One of the more creative killings. 100%. Also, definitely one of the more painful ones. Oof, yeah. It takes so long. Oh my god, I know. And he's just screaming this whole time. Poor Pamela's watching. Yeah. Wild. His bottom comes apart from his top, too. So here are my notes for for this. Oh shit, it's not his family. It's the guy from the beginning. And Pamela is his sister. R.I.P. William stabbed in the back and pumped full of acid. God. So the final bit of the Saw Soap offer for now And I'm about to go off. Hell yeah. Because Jill has dropped off an envelope with Mark. One of the envelopes said Jill has dropped off. He opens it because I guess he didn't open it yet. And there is a note in there that was a note to Amanda. We saw this note in Saw 3. Mm -hmm. We never found out what it said. I think back then we kind of assumed that it was from John. Yeah. Like begging her not to kill Lynn. Like just, just be good. I, I'm very proud of you, sweetie. Uh, you're gonna do great. <laughs> Love you. Yeah. <laughs> what it actually says, it was not from John. It was from Mark, who has been there the whole time, of course, as of we course. all know. Of course. Yeah. And for sure. <laughs> it says, I know that you were with Cecil the night that Gideon died. Kill Lynn, or I will tell John. And let me tell you, this is the angriest I have been at a retcon. Because this takes away all agency from Amanda. Yeah. That was her choice in Saw 3. She could not let the idea of this go, where she's like, nobody ever changes. Like, there is no point. Mm -hmm. I should just be able to kill her. But now it's like, oh, it wasn't that Amanda actually has free will or anything. She was doing it because man told her to. Yeah. I'm willing to let the new writers insert their cool new OC, Mark Hoffman, who has been there the whole time. I'm I'm (laughs) okay with them inserting him everywhere else. But this is ridiculous because they are actively undermining the character arc of the best character in this entire franchise. Mm -hmm. Like the most significant and well-written and interesting character gets completely undermined by like, oh, do it or else. 
Yeah. I think she would feel that her bond with John is stronger than that. Especially because, I mean, he, quote, healed, fixed her. Yeah. You know? And so this was before all of that. This was before, like, her trap and everything. Maybe John already knows. Maybe that's why she was one of the early victims. Mm-hmm. What does Mark get out of killing Lynn? What I think it's supposed to be is that Mark is jealous of the attention that Amanda gets. And so he wants her to fail this final task because he understands that Amanda is being tested in Saw 3. So he's like, if she fails, then I'll be the best boy. I think he also had to have known that there was a possibility that she would get killed and so she would be out of the way because Mm -hmm. they really did not like each other there is one flashback where they had like very palpable sexual tension where (laughs) i was like they had to have fucked at some point right uh no they hated each other for real but they were like constantly going at it with each other not like in the sexual way that i know of (laughs) that's my fanfic uh there has to be it's gotta be there can't not be And so she would always say shit like, when's your test going to be? And he says, I'm not going to get tested because I value my life. Unlike you, bitch. And then like grabs her wrist. Yeah. You see that she's been cutting herself. John made her do that one. I still don't understand. Yeah. But okay. (laughs) That's what I'm settling on. Because I I hate Mark's insertion into this plot. Yeah. But it really just undermines everything that Amanda says at the end of Saw 3, where she's like, this didn't fix me. This is all pointless. Show me the point. Fix me. It just, it pisses me off. It's just outright actively ruining a, a character that I really like. Yep. Oh, but I do love this part with Jill. Yeah. Jill fucking kills it, honestly. So once Mark returns to the game after the messiest fucking slaughter of all time, fucking idiot, he discovers that copy of the note he left Amanda on the desk. Jill shows up. And what what is it? Like, there's like an electric chair or some shit. Yeah, I guess Mark's chair is just electrified. <laughs> yeah, and so it shocks him. And he wakes up with the reverse bear trap on. I loved this. Yeah, this was the one scene where I was like, okay, Mark did something cool. Oh, yeah, I really loved this. So before she leaves, Jill was like, yeah, I gave you five envelopes, but there were actually six. And the sixth one was for me. And in it, we see pictures of Mark. So he was also a victim of a game. And Jill walks out of the room and she says, game over, and closes the door, leaving Mark in that reverse bear trap while he watches the end of William's game. So actually, here, I got ahead of myself. I put... R.I.P. Hoffman, reverse bear trapped, baby, with like five exclamation (laughs) points. And then immediately I put, damn it, with like 17 exclamation (laughs) points. (laughs) Because, dear listeners, right when the bear trap was about to like rip his head open, he like uses his head to break some glass on a door and sticks the clampy part of the trap in between two bars. So when it opens up, it doesn't go all the way back. It gets caught between these two bars. And then he fucking rips his head out of that trap. So this was very clever, but also, ouch, because now fucking he's got like some Joker situation going on where his like fucking mouth, his cheeks all cut up and shit. Yeah, he's been fully Jokerfied. 
Yeah. Oh, his Joker origin story. <laughs> but th- th- this was so cool, honestly. It's clever. This is the equivalent of Peter and the tracheotomy. Mm-hmm. This was badass. I was like, oh, shit. I'm like, you know, Mark's annoying. I don't care for him. He sucks. But shit, that was cool as hell. This, this was cool, yeah. <laughs> cool as hell. So that's the movie. That's the movie. Oh, my gosh. Do you remember what predictions I made in the last one other than the new accomplice thing? Oh, no. Hang on. I can listen back. Wait, while I was looking for predictions that Nicole made last time, Nicole has informed me that there was an after credit scene in Saw 6. Uh, I was not aware of this. I did not watch an after credit scene. But per the Saw wiki, the fandom wiki, we see right here, after the credits, Amanda goes to the cell where Corbett Denlin, Jeff and Lynn Denlin's daughter, is trapped. The extremely distraught Amanda talks to the little girl and warns her not to trust the one who will save her. As she already knew at that time that Hoffman would free her, it is implied that this warning was an act of revenge by Amanda against him after she read his blackmail letter. Okay. I don't know if this will come into play later. Like, will the little girl come up and be like, yeah, this fucking guy. I don't think that comes up in Saw 7 that I remember. Then what's the point of this? I might have to go and rewatch and just watch this scene because I, you know, the, the wiki lets me know what happened, but there has to be something missing that shows why this would be important. Yeah. So, Nicole, your four predictions for Saw 6, and I guess going forward, mostly for Saw 6. You predicted that they would still be looking for Peter. You were correct. Hooray, I did it. You said that we will find out what's in the box. We did. And we did. Six envelopes and a reverse bear trap. Nice. You said that we would never see the two survivors of Saw 5 ever again, which we haven't seen them yet. And you said that there was another accomplice to Mark. So you got 50% correct. 25% is still out there. And 25% is incorrect. Nice. Not bad. (laughs) Honestly. So, Nicole, any fun facts? Ooh, let's see here. I don't think there were that many fun facts, honestly. Not a very fun movie. Apparently not. Apparently, an earlier draft of the script, Mark Hoffman was supposed to take on the mafia. I was just reading that one. (laughs) However, this plotline was changed as it was deemed unfitting for the franchise. Yeah, I'll tell you that. Huh. This film was banned in Thailand. That's fun. It's wild. R.I.P. Oh, this is the final film that will have David A. Armstrong as a cinematographer. Oh. He's been here since Saw 2, I think. He might have even been here for Saw 1. Oh, this movie was beaten at the box office by the first Paranormal Activity movie. Oh, and that was the next franchise that was like one every Halloween. Yes, so the direct quote from the IMDb page here is, soundly beaten at the box office by the first entry in another low-budget horror film, Paranormal Activity. Interesting. Oh, Karen Cliché, I guess, or Cliche, who played Shelby in the carousel trap, was pregnant while shooting that trap. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) That's about it. How about we rate the traps, Nicole? All right. So what traps do we have? First, we have the deli counter scale. Then we have hold your breath, Mm -hmm. the barbed hangman, followed by death maze, followed by death carousel. Does the final trial count, do you think? I don't think so. I don't think so either. It's not really a trap. Well, I mean, yeah. it's a trap, but we, we could talk about how cool it is, but it's not really like a game. Yeah. And then reverse bear trap part two, electric boogaloo. Yeah. We'll give them both half trap ratings. Yeah. So 
What is your opinion on Daily Counter? Uh, I think it was a good, like, first trap for the movie. I honestly don't really expect too much of those. They're just kind of to kick off what we're about to see. It wasn't my favorite. Like I said, I would try to find some kind of workaround. I'm trying to think more of the trap itself and not what the people did in it because this bitch went for the smallest knife. I'm not over that. (laughs) It's fine. I, I, I feel like there are some workarounds, so. Yeah, I think that it is one of the more memorable openings. Mm-hmm. This one really sticks out to me. It's like, what are the opening kills of Saw? Like, Saw 2 has the reverse reverse bear trap. The Venus fly trap. Yeah, the Venus fly trap. 3 has the piercings at Claire's. Mm-hmm. 4 has the engine block battle, which is fucking stupid. Would you consider Angel Wings an opening one in Saw? I would not. Three? Okay. It's a plot important character death. Okay, because Angel Wings were fucking great. Yeah. But yeah, it took of war and soft war. So yeah, no, I agree. This is the more memorable. This is the most memorable one so far. Yeah, I think it's cool. I definitely think there are probably workarounds, but I think that you're probably not leaving unless you do it right. Yeah. Next we have Hold Your Breath. I think this one's stupid. I think it's lame. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Bad choice of victim. Terrible trap. Yep. Barbed hangman. It's okay. I liked this one more because there was like a, a like a like a choice that had to be made. Yeah, I do like when it incorporates that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's okay, you know. I, yeah. I thought that the fact that if he didn't choose, like it was very slowly going to make both of them die. Mm-hmm. I thought that's that's a good method of forcing your hand. Yeah, death maze. I liked. Pretty cool. Yeah, I liked how like it came at a personal cost to help her. Mm-hmm. I think the key in the kidney was kind of overkill. I think that was, yeah. They lost me a little bit there. Death Carousel. Very cool. I really like the Death Carousel. I really like the Death Carousel. It's long, first of all. It gets <gasps> hard to watch as the longer it goes on because mm-hmm. it's ju- it just like really builds dread. Yeah. As you just like slowly, one by one, these people get shotgunned and there's a lot of screaming for the first one. Then there is less screaming as it goes on. Yep. It has that bargaining angle, mm-hmm. similar to the hangman, but they actually get to argue for themselves, whereas Alan and Addie couldn't. Mm-hmm. It's just so simple, but really effective. Yeah, I really liked this one. Okay, next. I mean, now we have like our half traps, I, I, our honorable mentions, I should mm-hmm. say. So we have the acid piercing. Fucking sick, honestly. Pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty fucking cool. <laughs> real fucked up, real gruesome. <laughs> and then we have reverse bear trap part two. It's not as exciting as the first time because I've seen it. I've seen it already. We didn't get to see it go off this time either. Yeah, and they also changed the design. So it was like sleeker and mm. more like it, it was it was like a minimalist reverse bear trap. And it didn't have to be sewn into your jaw like the, the Amanda one. So, I mean, the fact that it was less janky also kind of takes away from the drama. And I feel like what I really liked about this trap was just how he got out of it because that was fucking cool as hell. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> but not the trap itself. Yeah. So just those two honorable mentions, but we won't include them in our in our final rankings here. Yeah. Give me your top five. Best to worst. Best to worst. Death Carousel's my number one. Mm-hmm. My number two, Death Maze. Mm-hmm. Ooh, my number three is going to be Barbed Hangman. Mm-hmm. Number four will be Deli Counter. And number five will be Hold Your Breath. Okay, so my one to five is Carousel of Death, 
Honestly, I'm putting Deli Counter number two. Really? I think it's it's pretty damn good. Okay. After that, Death Maze, Hangman, and then Hold Your Breath. Pretty similar rankings from us. Just one very large difference. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. Do you think you're going to survive this one? <sighs> okay, let me think. Well, I guess it's hard to judge. Like, I would have to either be somebody in the Deli Counter game, or I would have to be William going through this. Yeah. I honestly don't think I'm surviving the Daily Counter game. Oh, no, for I'm definitely not. <laughs> I think that if I'm William, I'm getting through unless I am as big of a bastard as William, in which case I'm getting through until the very end. Mm-hmm. I think if I'm one of the people being hanged, I, I mean, it kind of depends who I'm up against, but I do not have a fantastic health record. <laughs> With the whole being hanged thing, again, they could they were able to rip their restraints. So yeah. why the fuck didn't they try that earlier? Yeah. So maybe I'll, I'll survive that. I feel like I could survive that one. Hold your breath. No way. I've got good breath control from, I mean, but also I have smoked. <laughs> but, but I still have fairly good breath control from like singing and playing an instrument and running. I can hold my breath for a little while. Breathing stuff freaks me out. I had asthma as a child. Uh, and I still have it today. Uh, I would just, I would just die. I, I would probably go <laughs> and just have it crush me. Just oh it. no! Fuck but it. see, also, like if I were, to, if I were panicking, I probably wouldn't be able to control my breath as well. So who knows, man? I could die. I feel like there's potential for me to live, but I might die just out of sheer panic. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> if I'm on the death carousel, I think I can out talk these other five. I think I can. Yeah. Make a good case for myself. I have a cat. Please, I'm a single cat mom. That's what needs me. <laughs> Death maze. <sighs> this one's rough. I don't think I could do it solely for the fact that the time limit is terrible. 90 seconds. 90 seconds. Insane. And yeah. they obviously don't even do it in 90 seconds of the movie. And most other shit is in real time. And also the fact that like, oh, at the end, you definitely have to like it's not even just that you have to slice William open for the key. You have to get the key afterwards. Yeah. And unlock it and figure out how to take it off of yourself. There was not enough time here. No, you need like five minutes. Yeah, I don't think I would survive. I think if I were in William's position, I wouldn't get burnt in the fucking face as much oh, as yeah. he did. Easy win. <laughs> it's like, just take your fucking shirts off. Use them. You have tools on you. Figure yeah. it out. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just built different. Who knows? Yeah. So overall, I think I could survive most of this movie. I'm thinking less than half for me. Mm-hmm. I think the odds are not in my favor. Uh, I'm thinking it's like if I think I'm 60, then you're probably 40. So like still okay, somewhere in the middle-ish, but you know. One of us will get out. <laughs> yeah. I'll carry on your legacy. Thank you. Thank I you. will take for over the Punk Dyke Twitter account. <gasps> wow. <laughs> I will create an AI to tweet as you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Nicole, what did you think about the twist? I, 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 It's one of these things where at this point in the franchise, we continually have like two twists. Mm -hmm. We have like the trap twist and the soap opera twist. Yeah. The trap twist where William's family was his sister wasn't a big twist, but I did like that ultimately his fate ended up in the hands of the family of someone who he wronged. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty good twist. Yeah, I thought that was good. And then I feel like with Mark, we have two twists. One 
one of which is finding out that Amanda was essentially set up by him to fail, which I didn't care for. Like you said, it did ruin her character. I did like the twist where he was also being tested by John slash Jill. Like we finally get the payoff for the mention at the beginning of Cell 4. Yes. So I liked that. So I guess, yeah, there were like three twists in this movie and I liked two of them. Yeah, I like two of them as well. And even the second one, the one with like Amanda, even though they it ruined her character and stuff, I mean, I appreciate how they were able to work it in to work him into the series. It's like, oh, like this has been like this since the beginning. We've always had this planned out. So I was like, okay. I'm like, that's cool. I guess that they were able to figure something out. So I appreciate that, but not not yeah. a real fan of that twist. I hate it through and through. <laughs> Yeah, I've said my piece for like 10 straight minutes. I didn't see it coming, so I guess that's a successful twist. Nicole, does Mark live up to the legacy of John as Jigsaw in this movie? Absolutely not, especially because these weren't even his traps. This was all John. This is John's design. He just kind of watches. And like literally the second that there is any pressure, he absolutely crumbles. Yes, he straight up hands on kills people, which is against what John was all about. Yeah, he's just a serial killer. Yeah, so Mark's a little bitch. I do not care for him. Yeah, honestly, it's kind of comedic how much he sucks at this. Yeah. Like, (laughs) he's such a shitty bootleg jigsaw. I really appreciate in the flashbacks when Amanda was like, go like stick to heavy lifting. Yeah. (laughs) Because I I feel like he comes across as a character who is like, it's like, oh, like here's a really smart guy. But ultimately, he really is not that smart. No, he doesn't know how to work most of the traps uh, for a while. Like in the flashbacks, John and Amanda are actively making fun of him because he's not setting up the rack correctly. Yeah. So I think it's funny because, you know, we associate Jigsaw with being this very calculating and very smart person. And then we have this fucking guy who is (laughs) not any of those things. Yeah, he's brute force. He's a chainsaw to John's scalpel. Yep, as we could see in the way they cut pieces out of their victims. I'm so glad you noticed that. I'm going to be thinking about that. Oh, had you not thought of that? I didn't think of that. Ah. I love the subtle symbolism in Saw, subtle symbolism Mm -hmm. Saw. (laughs) Next movie, I want to talk more about that. Oh, hell yeah, I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Who deserved to be here the most? William. Yeah, William, (laughs) you done fucked up, son. Yeah, he sucked. (laughs) After that, I guess the Lone Sharks. Yeah. Kind of, like... I would say that, and if we had... uh, So they're, like, tied for a second. And I say if we had to have a third, probably Pamela, because she was sensationalizing the story of Jigsaw. See, I feel it it would be the lawyer. She's actively protecting the company. Oh, I forgot about her. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to put her as my second most deserved. Okay. What about who deserved to be here the least? Oh, uh, I'm going to say the janitor. Oh, okay. I was going to say we're not counting the family because even John says, like, you're not here for, like, any actual wrongdoing you've done. Like, I'm very sorry that you have to, like, be here. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the janitor. 
Like, what the hell, man? <laughs> I mean, like, because, like, the secretary and file clerk, I don't think are complicit quite to the extent, like, the lawyer would be or ab- or the fucking dog pit. <laughs> but I, I guess you could argue that they have more culpability than, in, like, the janitor because the secretary knows what William's up to. The file clerk sees the files and knows all the bullshit that's happening. Yeah. So I guess you can argue that they're more at fault. Janitor didn't deserve this. Hank did not deserve this, especially because he probably worked for a third company. Yeah. <laughs> Also, going back to who deserved it the most, the dog pit probably deserves it more than the lawyer. Yeah, they fucking suck. Yeah, agreed. (laughs) They suck. The fact that they so gleefully do it, too. Yeah, they make a game out of it. Yeah. They're bastards. (laughs) Fuck them. How useless were the police in this one? Uh... Like, again, because Mark is a cop, negative, useful, but at least they were able to, like, figure shit out a little bit. But then ultimately, like Perez said, that everyone knows. Is that true? Because if that is the case, that they were able to crack it and also pass on this information, then they fucking killed it. So I think it's left pretty up in the air. I think they did a decent-ish job because they did figure it out, but that doesn't serve anyone if that information dies with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They did a better job than most of the police in this series. Agreed. And Nicole, speaking of people who die horribly, what's their death count up to? Oh boy. Okay, now here's a question. Are we counting Erickson and Perez? I think Erickson, no. Perez, yes. The light yeah. goes out of Perez's eyes. Okay. And then I also counted IT lady. Yeah, she, she's dead for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So R.I.P. Eddie, Hank, Alan, Debbie, Aaron, Gina, Dave, Josh, Sachi, William, and Perez. You're, oh my God. So how many? 11 people. <laughs> wow. Our biggest body count by far. What's that bring us up to? Oh boy. Also, let me just say, 11 people, I thought it was going to be 12, but no, Mark just had to go and survive the end. That little bitch, she's like a cockroach. (laughs) Yeah, you can say a lot of things about Mark, but he is pretty good at living. That is very true. All right, so we have one, two, three, four, five. Oh, did you count Perez twice? Oh, I did. I'll remove her from Saw 5. Okay. 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47. So that's averaging 48 divided by 6. That's that's like, I think it's still like 7 or 8 kills a movie. So 47 divided by 6 is 7.83 repeating people per movie. So almost 8 people. Damn. That's wild. It's the body count is getting up there. Oh, for sure. All right, Nicole, let's get your predictions for next time. And I'm writing them down. Okay, for next time, I will once again predict that we will learn that there is an accomplice. Actually, hang on, hang on. No, I have to go into this thinking that this is going to be the last movie because this is called Saw the Final Chapters. They were planning on wrapping this bitch up. Okay, I predict that Jill will do a jigsaw thing. In what way? As in, like, she will set up and, like, execute a trap. Okay. Yeah, because I feel like they're kind of, like, steering it in that direction. Uh, Mark will die. Mm-hmm. Huh. I-, I want Erickson to live. So let's put that down. I'll be optimistic and hope he and okay. I'll hope he lives. I think Mark's going to be tested again, but maybe by Jill. Maybe that comes full circle where she does another test on him. But he's definitely going to go after Jill. Mm-hmm. He can't not go after her. And that he will be outed as... 
Jigsaw. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that information was communicated in this movie or if it will be discovered in a different way in the next movie by other people, but I th- but he will be discovered. I think that I think I'm good with that. Okay. So we have Jill will do a jigsaw trap. Jill tests Mark and Mark goes after her. Mark will die. Erickson will live and Mark will be outed as jigsaw. Yes. Okay. Solid predictions. All right, I'm excited. Well, we will see what happens in the next movie, Saw 7, a.k.a. Saw 3D, a.k.a. Saw the Final Chapter. Wild. (laughs) Nicole, where can people find you outside of this basement? The people can find me on Twitter at SexyPagliacci. That's S-E-X-Y-P-A-G-L-I-A-C-C-I. Sad clown. And you can find me at PunkDyke on Twitter, P-U-N-K-D-Y-K-E. Can't believe nobody had that at. And uh, nobody was secretly using somebody else's severed hand to type out all of my tweets. And you can find the show at We See Saw on Twitter. Same name as the show, coincidentally. And you can email us at playingontheseesaw at gmail.com. Please tell us your opinions on this Amanda reveal. Oh, tell us whether or not you think Mark's hot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Is Mark hot? Hot or not? Smash your pass, Mark. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, until next time, game over. Okay, hello, (laughs) this is Clem Bianchi. I'm a courier, delivering mail and space, one package at a time. If you're hearing this message, I need some help. I'm trying to deliver a package to a guy on Pluto. Says his name is Gorge Flummox. If anyone knows a Gorge Flummox on Pluto, please let him know I've been trying to reach him about his box of Lunarian cheese. I know the box is full of cheese because for the last few weeks, I've started hearing things when I touch my cargo. When I pick up a letter or a package, I hear conversations and sometimes even see things tied to whoever the mail is for or from. I call it the letter opener. It's yanked me into some real situations. A haunted house, a pizza delivery drag race, and even a revolution to take a city back from the bigwigs who keep its hoverboard sports engine humming. You can hear all about it on Additional Postage Required, a bi-weekly audio drama on the Moonshot Podcast Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Anyway, if you know Gorge, Please tell him to give me a call. I think his cheese is starting to move around in the box.